Welcome to Growing in Grace with Pastor Victor Morrison. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas. We are praying that God will bless you as you listen to this message. If you would like additional information on worship times and ministries at FBC Columbus, you can find out more at our website, fbccolumbustx.org. And now, take your copy of God's Timeless Word as Pastor Victor gives today's message. Hey, welcome back to Growing in Grace. Hope you're having a good week. I want to share today from Psalm 103, Psalm 103, verses 6 through 18. To set this up, I want to ask you a question. If I were to ask you, tell me about your father, how would you describe your dad? If I were to describe my dad, I would say, well, my dad was easygoing. My dad loved music. He enjoyed laughing. He had a great time as he uh, went through his life. My dad was also a hard worker. My dad loved Jesus. I remember at my dad's funeral, many said, your dad led us to Jesus Christ. And I thought, man, just so proud of who my father is. When I read Psalm 103, I felt like I was learning who God is. Who is our Heavenly Father? What is He like? One other thought here. Do you know that several great hymns have been inspired by the praise that is written for us in Psalm 103? A lot of Bible scholars say that this psalm right here, it's just pure praise. So this is not a self-help type message. This is just a message to say, who is God? Somebody please tell me what is God like? Let me answer that question today with this passage. Psalm 103, verse 6 begins like this. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him, and His righteousness to children's children, to those who keep His commandment and remember to do His commandments. Wow, what a passage of Scripture. You know, this passage of Scripture inspired a young man 
This young man was born in 1974 into a dysfunctional home in England. When he was seven years old, the boy's father committed suicide. He wasn't told until he was 10 years old. You can just imagine, once they told him how his father died, it left emotional scars upon his heart. How could his father make that choice? His mother eventually remarried, but unfortunately, his stepfather became very abusive. Eventually, he was put in prison for abusing his own family. Can you imagine how hard that was for that man at that age? I think he said he was like in his tweens. In his youth, he went to a mission meeting and that young man heard the gospel. He embraced Christ and he leaned into the fatherhood of God. You see, this teen was a gifted musician. So he began to write songs to express what God would show him whenever he would read his Bible in his own personal devotions. One day, this young guy read Psalm 103, and he said, you know what? I'm going to write a song about that. And so he put the song into words, and they call it today, 10,000 Reasons. That young guy was Matt Redman. There is definitely something about Psalm 103. It is like a biblical call to worship. When you start out in verses 1 to 5, it's like a personal call saying, don't forget, don't forget how good God has been to you. Think about all of his benefits. But when you get into the section that I read from verse 6 through verse 18, it's more congregational. Possibly even you could say it's more national for perhaps he was speaking of the whole nation of Israel. But he moves from a personal call to worship to even on a national call, or let's say a congregational call to worship. But then the psalm ends in verses 19 to 22 with a universal call to worship. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you, his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. You see what I mean by a universal call to worship? If we only knew how great our Heavenly Father is, we also would join with the angels and we would say, Lord, I just want to praise you. You know, some cities, if you go in on the highway, then you can see from your vehicle what it looks like from the highway. Other cities have trains. If you go in by train, you see the city from a totally different perspective. Some even have like a bay or river or harbor. If you were to enter the city by boat, well, that's a whole nother perspective, a whole nother view. If you were to fly into it, if it has a major airport, then of course you would see another view. Well, what if you just hiked in there? What if you walked in? You know, the approach makes all the difference, doesn't it? I love the approach of Psalm 103. And so I want to try to spin it around. It's almost like the biblical lens is going to look at who God is from different, different angles, different perspectives. So I want, to, I want to say that each of these is like a divine disclosure. God wants us to know what he's like. 
And so he wants to reveal himself to us. Well, through nature, through creation, yes. He wants to reveal himself through the conscience that he has placed within us, yes. But he also wants to reveal himself to us through Scripture. Of course, we know that the ultimate, clearest revelation of the Father was through Christ. But I want us to look at this biblical revelation, this biblical disclosure of God saying, if you want to know me, this is what I'm like. So I want to cover some ground here. So let me start this way by saying verses 6 and 7 takes us all the way back to Moses. More than likely, Moses was born in 1526 B.C. Remember when he received the Ten Commandments and there they were at the mountain, the Mount Sinai? That was probably 1446 B.C. So we're talking pretty far back, right? Well, listen to what it says in verse 7. He made known his ways to Moses. He's revealing to Moses, this is who I am. This is the way I do things. This is the way I want the people of Israel. This is how I want them to live. That's why he goes on to say, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. So the question is, is that the only time that God revealed himself to someone? No, actually, we have a whole book we call the Bible. 66 books are all written with this divine disclosure. God is trying to show us who he is. So the first point that I want us to to recognize here, I'm going to call it a dispensational revelation because it's like through the generations, through whatever dispensation, I mean, if we're talking back in Abraham's day, then we're talking before the law was even given. But if we're talking Moses' day, well, of course, we're during the time of the law. But what about if we were to read in the New Testament during the time of Christ and we think about this period of grace. I'm just telling you, God has been speaking. I love it in Psalm 19, where it says that God pours forth this revelation of who he is day after day after day through creation. Are you getting to know who God is? You know, I love that about the Apostle Paul, because in Colossians 1, he says, this is what I'm praying for you. One of those things that Paul says he's praying for other people, praying that you would increase in the knowledge of God. I believe that is a relevant prayer for any and every generation. It's for every location, any people group around the world. No matter what dispensation, no matter what generation you're living in, our God wants us to know him. So that's the first thing I would say is that through Moses, Through the law, God's revealing some things about who he is. But that's not it. No, let's move to the second thing that we see in verse 8. I'm not going to call verse 8 the dispensational revelation. I'm going to call it a devotional revelation. Because you're going to notice God be more specific, more personal. Listen to what it says in verse 8. The Lord is. How would you? fill in the blank. Well, let me tell you how this writer of Psalm 103 filled in the blank. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. 
Wow, four character qualities that I feel will motivate us to get to know him even more. Wow. Now, if you were to run those four attributes back through, which one would you say just depresses you? Which one would you say, I wouldn't want to be around someone like that. How about merciful? Well, if not that one, how about gracious? Well, how about somebody that's slow to anger? Or how about someone that is abounding in steadfast love? You see what I'm saying? This is a great God. This is a good God. This is a holy God and a righteous God. But look at how he defines who he is and he declares it. Wow. You know, first, this was revealed to Moses in Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. It almost is word for word with what we see now, later, in Psalm 103. Well, let's move down to verses 9 and 10. I'm going to call the third one a distributional revelation. A distributional revelation. How does God distribute things? Grace, or let's say anger or wrath. How does God reveal who he is in what he either gives or what he withholds? Listen to verses 9 and 10. He will not always chide. He will not always chide. That means to accuse. He will not, nor will he keep his anger forever. Aren't you glad for that? Wow. In some circles, they'd be saying amen in that one. How about verse 10? He does not deal with us according to our sins. Oh, thank you, Lord. That's great. On this side of the cross, the Lord does not deal with us according to our sins. He remembers the perfect atonement of his son. Verse 10 finishes by saying, nor does he repay us according to our iniquities. Whew, I am so glad that Jesus took all of our punishment on the cross. You know, I love what Micah said in the Old Testament. I don't know if you hang out there much, but it's a great, great passage. It's a great uh, book of the Bible. But Micah 7, verses 18 and 19, it asks this question, who is like God? Who is, who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity, passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Isn't that an amazing God? You know, I think Psalm 103 just motivates me to say, I want to get to know this God better and better as I go through life. I hope that's your, your feeling as well. Well, let's move from um, verses 9 and 10 down to verses 11 and 12. Let me review. We looked at who God is from the dispensational revelation of verses 6 and 7, going all the way back to Moses. Here we are under grace now, but God's been revealing who he is for a long, long time. But then we looked at this devotional revelation when he's saying, this is who I am. It's very specific. It's very personal. God's trying to help you to know him. But then there's this distributional revelation 
where God is saying, you know what? I'm not always going to be angry. I'm not always going to accuse. I'm not always going to deal with people according to their sins or to deal with them, repay the iniquity. No, I love that about him. So when we go into verses 11 and 12, he says, would you like to measure? Would you like to measure my mercy? For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Wow. You know, I don't have a tape measure that go that far, do you? As a matter of fact, I was reading where a NASA article just recently, I thought to myself, okay, how far can we go if we start on the earth, we're in a rocket, and we go straight up? So if you're going to measure vertically, how far could one measure? Get ready. You won't believe this. NASA said, okay, the furthest location we know of in the universe would be this. In the rocket that you get in, you would have to travel 186,000 miles per, not hour, per second. So we're traveling at such a great speed, 186,000 miles per second. And guess how far you would have to go to reach the end of the universe? They said 225 trillion years. That's how long it would take. Can you imagine at that speed going constantly it would still take somebody 225 trillion years. I don't even know anybody that old. Do you? Hey, don't be pointing anybody in the car. Let's move then from the vertical measure to the horizontal measure. The horizontal measure. So vertically, it's like astronomical. It's like infinity, right? But what about horizontally? Well, he says it's like from the east is from the west. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. So if you wanted to measure his mercy, the width, I don't think you can do it because it would never end. You could just keep going forever and ever if you were going from the east toward the west or from the west toward the east. There is no ending point. So my point is there's this divisional a uh, revelation that comes up in verses 13 through 16, right after the dimensional revelation mentioned in verses 11 and 12. So let's move into that. Let's think about the division between who God is and who we are as the human race. Would you say that we're identical to God or would you say, no, nope, there's a gap. There's a division between us. Well, I think that God wants us to understand something about where he stands on his side of the equation and where we are on our side of the equation. I call it the divisional revelation. You see, God compares himself to someone here. You won't believe who he compares himself to, to a dad. To a dad, he says, uh, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Out of all the comparisons, he could have picked anything. 
He could have picked something from the animal kingdom. He could have chosen something from the plant life or from trees or from fruit. But God says, you know what I'm like? I'm like a dad. I'm like a dad who shows compassion on his kids. And then he goes into this, and you're not going to believe it. Because God says, I'm compassionate because I can see your frailty. You see, listen to what he says in verse 14. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Wow. I guess he kind of puts us in our place, doesn't he? Well, that's exactly where we came from. You know, he, he made us from the earth, the dust of the earth, from the ground. And so it's interesting. He says, you know what? Maybe you will forget the benefits of knowing me. Remember at the beginning I said, it says in verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Our Heavenly Father says, you may forget how good I am, but I'm not going to forget the needs that you have. I'm not going to forget those struggles and that weakness that you're feeling right now. And so I thought to myself, he's not going to forget it, but what is his attitude toward us? Compassion. Compassion. He says, he's so compassionate toward us like a father toward his children, for he knows. He remembers that we're dust. He knows our frame. But then I thought, not only does he understand our frailty, he also understands how finite. He knows that one day these lungs will take the last breath. He knows this. And that's why he says, I'm so compassionate because I know how weak you can be. And I know that someday you will run the last leg of your race. And so he says in verse 15, as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field for the wind passes over it and it's gone and its place knows it no more. God says, I know that about you. And you know what? It makes him just so attracted toward us. He said, I just love my creation. I just want to encourage them. I want to strengthen them. I want to give them hope of something better than this life that they can look to at the end. That leads me to the sixth and the final lens, camera lens and angle and perspective. That is the durational the durational revelation. You see, we just spoke about this division between God and man, how we're so weak, we're finite. Not God. He's not finite, and he's definitely not weak. Listen to the durational revelation that he gives to us in these final two verses. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children and to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. I remember reading one time from everlasting to everlasting in the Hebrew means from vanishing point to vanishing point. I don't care how far we can look with our binoculars, with our telescopes, with all the different things, God will still be beyond it. 
because that's what it means when you're eternal. That's what it means when you're infinite. That's our Father. But don't miss what he says here. His love is like that. It is enduring. It is eternal. It is everlasting. But not just his love. Keep the balance. His righteousness is like that as well. Enduring, eternal righteousness. I love that. You know, God is never going to turn and be different on us. You know, sometimes things change in this world, right? In this life. But you know what? God is never going to change. There's not going to be a day in eternity when God will say, you know what? I think I'm going to stop being righteous now. I'm going to be evil. I'm going to be ugly. I'm going to be mean and hateful and all these kind of things. Oh, no, not our God. He says, from everlasting to everlasting, I'm going to have steadfast love. I love that about him. So I just want to encourage you, as you go through your life, don't miss getting to know him. He is such a wonderful father, such a good God. I love it that he says, if you want to know who I am, here's who I am. I'm merciful. I'm gracious. I'm slow to anger. I'm abounding in steadfast love. There it is again, toward the end of this passage that we're looking at. Steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. Wow, I love that. Well, thank you for joining us today again for Growing in Grace. Part of Growing in Grace, the way it happens, the more we get to know God, we will want to grow deeper and deeper in his grace. So why don't we pray together? Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much uh, for my friends that are listening in. I pray you'd bless them. I pray you'd encourage them. Lord, I'm going to pray for them what Paul used to pray for the churches in Colossae and different places. Lord, he used to pray that they would increase in the knowledge of God. Would you help my friends to simply increase in getting to know you? Lord, since I have gotten to know you, it's incredible. I feel like I'm only starting. I learn new, fresh things about you all the time. Your faithfulness, it just keeps on amazing me every single day. Your wisdom, Lord, you're so wise. Your greatness, your goodness, your graciousness, your holiness. Lord, how upright and true you are. Lord, thank you. Lord, I just thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that we have scripture to go to so that we don't have to guess what is God really like. Psalm 103, this is where you told us what you're really like. And we really like what you've disclosed to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.